Hi guys, what's up? My name's Cecilia. And I'm Brooke. And welcome back to another episode of Women of the Way. Uh, we're down to our second to last podcast for our Fruits of the Spirit series. Um, this time we're going to be going over gentleness. We're both really excited for this one. Yeah, I'm super excited for this episode on gentleness. I can't believe we've already done seven, well, eight if you include the introduction, eight podcasts. That's really crazy to me, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity to film and record these. Well, not film them, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm really excited. We're on the eighth fruit of the spirit. We're going to be talking about gentleness today. And I'm sorry. Done. I've really enjoyed going yeah, through these. Yeah, me too. They've been really encouraging, convicting. Um, yeah, those are definitely the two words I would use to describe these Fruits of the Spirit podcasts because it's like, it's really, I really love like researching and learning more and like seeing more in scripture um, where all these Fruits of the Spirits are used and like where you can see um, like the attributes of God and of Christ with these fruits of the spirit. But it's also really encouraging. It was encouraging to do that and also convicting to be like, wow, yeah, Lord, this is an area where I need to be more sanctified. So help me do that. <laughs> so that's what it's been like for me. It's been really fun and encouraging. So yeah, yeah I agree. But yeah, I guess we're just going to jump right in today. Are you... Let's, Let's go. go. Okay, Cecilia is ready. I am. Okay. Let's go. So I'm going to talk about our first two points today. And uh, yeah, so our first point is that I'll just read it for you all and then um, expound a little bit more later. So our first point is that God is still gentle in the Old Testament and Jesus is still a warrior in the New Testament. So a few weeks back, we were kind of talking about that and talking about how some people try to separate how God um, is viewed in the Old Testament from the New Testament and say kind of that God is only angry and wrathful in the Old Testament and Jesus is only just this kind of hippie full of love guy in the New Testament. And we just kind of want to break down that lie because that's not true and that's not the full character and attributes of God in scripture. So that fits into our first point because God is not just wrathful and justifiably angry at sin. Like we've said before, he's also very gentle. And you see in the Old Testament, his gentleness in redeeming his people and bringing them out of slavery from Egypt and graciously keeping them throughout all of their sin in their lives and Despite them, um, I'll just use Exodus and Numbers as like major examples because I just finished reading both of those books um, in the Old Testament. But after they build a golden calf and build an idol, yes, God wants to kill them all afterwards because they've just sinned against him in, um, in idolatry. But God's gentle and gracious towards Moses when he intercedes for them and intercedes for the people. And yeah, I think in numbers, you really see God's gentleness 
towards his people as they continually, and I mean continually, if you read through the book of Numbers, it's like this cycle of they just keep complaining. They want the food that they had back in Egypt. They would rather be slaves in Egypt than be in this foreign land, be wandering around in the wilderness. They constantly complain or constantly bitter towards God. Yet he still, he still punishes them for their sin but he's still gentle and gracious towards them. And so God's character doesn't change. And since Jesus is God, um, God in the flesh, the incarnation, he um, is fully God and fully man. And Hebrews 13.5 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Jesus's character as well. He is gentle. He is still wrathful and angry at sin and he is still a warrior in the new testament fighting for his people and so that goes directly to my second point that i really wanted to talk about so with jesus's gentleness um but also on the flip side like um, I think there's kind of a modern character, 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 well, that's not uh, how you say that word, but character of Jesus in culture, in like modern um, society that he is just kind of okay with sin. He's just kind of like your best friend, your like gal, pal, whatever, um, like just to fulfill all your needs and satisfy everything that you want. He's like, he's sometimes portrayed as almost like this genie that you just ask him for whatever it is that you think you need and he's going to give it to you. Um, And that he's really like, God is love. Like he's tolerant, right? He doesn't really call anybody out. He doesn't think anything's a sin. He's just loving hippie. I mean, that's like the best term I can use. Like that would make sense. He's a loving hippie. Jesus walks around, you know, he's like in the 60s, 70s. He is like, yeah, man, peace and love. That's what I'm about. But actually in scripture, sorry, it's like really loud, but there, but in scripture, not <laughs> who Jesus is. And a lot of the things Jesus says in the Bible, if you read through the um, four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, a lot of the things that he says, modern Christians or Christians, um, people that maybe just identify as Christians would think are unloving. And I do want to clarify, though, that some of these scriptures I'm going to bring up, that Jesus is speaking to a specific groups of people. So he's speaking to people that are knowingly leading others astray. Um and that are religious leaders and people in like power uh, positions of power, like in the church that should know better yet they're leading people astray or not the church in Jesus' time. They'd be the synagogues, uh, the Sanhedrin. But yeah, so most things Jesus says in the New Testament, people would actually think, might think are unloving. So for example, in Matthew 23, Jesus is calling out the Pharisees and because they basically are holding people to these standards of righteousness and perfection that not even they themselves hold up to. 
they think that they're following the Old Testament law and they think that they're following Judaism, but in actuality, they are adding on to what the Bible says and adding on to what the Torah says, and they're not actually um, following God. They're following extra biblical commandments and trying to boost themselves in a sense to these extra, this extra, like this super perfect level of righteousness that no one can attain and they can't attain either. So Jesus calls them out in Matthew 23 is basically the seven woes that Jesus is saying to the scribes and the Pharisees, but the one that I really want to hit on is the out is I'll just read it for y'all. So it's verses 27 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. You also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So, um, you know, is if you were the one hearing Jesus say this to you, you probably wouldn't think he was being very nice. You probably wouldn't think that he's, um, you might not think he has your best interest at heart. But because he actually does have your best interest at heart, Jesus is going to call you out and call out these Pharisees for thinking that they are so righteous because they outwardly appear so to other people. Yet inside of them, all they have is hypocrisy and lawlessness. They're just whitewashed tombs, which, you know, a tomb outwardly does it can outwardly appear very beautiful. But when you look inside of a tomb, what's there? A dead body. So that's what Jesus is saying. These scribes and Pharisees are like a tomb that contains a dead, rotting body. That's who he is describing these people as. And so why is he doing this? Well, he's doing this because he wants to get their attention. He wants to show them, hey, this way that you're living, this outward righteousness that you think you have, you have nothing. You need me. And so that is the only way to get their attention. It doesn't mean Jesus is not gentle and a loving, kind, caring shepherd. He is. But he knew that the only thing that was going to get these people to turn to him or to realize their hypocrisy was to speak the hard truth to them. And so Jesus was not afraid of speaking the hard truth to religious leaders who should have known better and were leading people astray um, and putting these all of these outward commitments and regulations and commands on these people that were not even found in the Torah and that they could, it could, they are just felt um, under this huge heavy weight and they weren't actually leading them back to the God of the Bible, to the God of the Torah, to Yahweh. They were just adding these extra laws on them. And so that is why Jesus also says in Matthew 11, which this shows his gentleness perfectly um, I think as Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden with all these extra burdens that their leaders put on them. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
So the burden Jesus gives us because of his gentleness, his kindness, his love, his compassion is easy and it's light. It's not these extra laws where we have to be careful to tithe the perfect amount where they, there's another scripture in Matthew 23 where Jesus says the Pharisees will clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Or they'll tithe these tiny amounts of mint and dill and cumin. They'll make sure these, they tithe these perfect little amounts of these herbs, and, but they neglect to show mercy and justice to other people. And these are like the little, the these tiny, like minuscule laws, we think, are what scribes were commanding the people to do and they were under this burden and this heavy weight and this yoke that wasn't easy and wasn't light and not a yoke obviously obviously like an ache yoke that's not what I'm saying it was um they would put yokes on their ox oxen when they were going out to farm and to um do their duties and go out and with their farming animals um but the yoke Jesus gives us is easy and it's light and that goes directly against the um, false outward righteousness that the Pharisees think they have. And Jesus is actually being gentle in calling them out and speaking, again, speaking the hard truth to religious leaders who should have known better. Um, and other times, Jesus does this. Another famous example that you might have heard before in John Two, Jesus is flipping the tables, which, yeah, you know, that's like a lot of people have heard that right before, but he's, but why, why is he, why is he doing this? So I'm going to read y'all uh, the actual scriptures. So I think it's really good to know the context. So this is John 2, 13 through 17. The Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Um, so, again, Jesus' gentleness in this instance is not the kind of gentleness we think of in our culture where it's all about self-love, you do you, morality is relative. No, Jesus says, this is wrong. This is my father's house. You're making it a house of trade. And uh, I mean, the money changers sitting there were selling these animals, the pigeons and the oxen and the sheep for sacrifices, but they're actually clouding, not clouding, crowding the area of the temple where people are going in to worship and they're disrupting the worship of the non-Jewish people that were going into this area outside of the temple to worship because all they were doing was trying to sell these animals. And so Jesus, again, does, because of the zeal and the passion and the um, like ultimate desire he has for the glory of God, 
says, no, you're not going to disrupt the worship if people are trying to worship in this out. We're part of the temple. No, I'm going to make whip accords and drive you out. So again, Jesus is a powerful warrior God, you could say, who cares about unrighteousness and cares about the house of God being here for worship. Um, and then this kind of goes with the point, but I wanted to also bring up how gentleness for Paul sometimes also looked like calling out false teachers who were knowingly teaching people um, doctrines that are not Christian, that are not the true faith, not truly faith in Christ. And so Paul in Galatians tells these false teachers and a little bit of background on Galatians. So Galatians was obviously ran to the church at Galatia, but Paul was writing specifically against the false teachings that were being propagated and perpetrated in Galatia was almost the same as some of the teachings that I was kind of getting at earlier with like outward righteousness. So they were basically telling these new Christians in Galatia that you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. You have, and I'm not going to get into what circ circumcision is. I'm assuming most people know what it is. But they're basically saying you have to follow the old Jewish law to be a Christian. And Paul is saying, no, the law doesn't justify you. Only faith in Jesus Christ does. And so he's writing against all these people that he knows are leading them astray or putting all these burdens on them that Christ himself does not do. And so Paul, still a gentle Paul, and we'll get into that later with some other scriptures he wrote, um, still tells these false teachers in Galatia that he would rather they emasculate themselves than keep preaching this false gospel. And so that's, um, yeah, a pretty big thing to wish that people would do. Um, Paul, and Paul, Paul says this in Galatians 5, um, verse 12. He says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So, yeah, not maybe the most gentle, loving, or we think. I would argue that this is Paul being loving because he knows that these doctrines are leading people to hell. So he's going to speak out against it. But it wasn't always seeming to be the most gentle thing. Um, and so that just kind of goes with my, the main thing of what I'm trying to say is that gentleness, um, I would argue in scripture is primarily for the actual lost. I would say like the lost sheep being led astray. So the actual person who doesn't really know, who doesn't know that what they're being told and what they're being taught is wrong or not biblical. They don't know. They're just, they maybe haven't looked themselves or they just believe that what these people are telling them is true. And I think that's where you, that Cecilia will bring up. That's where we really see God's gentleness is towards these individual people who don't know any better and that are just unknowingly being led astray. But the opposite end of that is, these instances that I brought up, um, that gentleness is not, oh, you don't always see gentleness gentleness in the scriptures for the false teacher, false teachers that should know better. And so that's kind of my main point. I also um, have some other scriptures that I'll 
to bring up to you is in Matthew um, 12. Again, Jesus speaking against false teachings and against the Pharisees and scribes is what he says in Matthew 12 of verses 33 um, through 35. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. So, kind of um, drastic there, but this imagery Jesus is painting is that these teachers that you have, Jews, they, their fruit isn't good. Their roots in their heart don't go to God. That's why their fruit that they're producing is bad. They're a brood of vipers, a brood of poisonous snakes that seek to harm people and harm others. And the abundance of their heart, they're not speaking anything that is truly beneficial to the people. Um, and again, yeah, Jesus isn't afraid to call out false teaching and false teachers because he is gentle and he cares for his lost sheep um, as John 10 paints Jesus as this beautiful um, good shepherd who lets his sheep and who's never going to let them fall away who keeps him safe in his arms and in his um, in his flock so to speak and he's keeping them protected from these teachers that are leading people down the broad path to hell. And so, yeah, that was, those are kind of my points that I also wanted to bring up with gentleness and kind of go against the false um, view of Christ that is in the world today and give like a whole a holistic view of who Christ is, that he's gentle and kind and loving and he's so loving, he was willing to die on a cross for us. But he's also someone that is going to call out um, what is false and call out people who who should know better, who know the word of God, who are, but are still propagating false teaching. He's not afraid to do that because he cares for his lost sheep and he's gentle towards them. Um, so... Yeah, and to also go along with that, and of course, you know, always be discerning and pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you, and I don't really speak of this as like um, a person-to-person sense, even though I think sometimes it is justified, um, and that you should have Christians in your life that you know are going to hold you accountable in certain areas, um, if you're, you really, are like, you know, if you have a certain temptation or a certain sin that you know you struggle with and you want another Christian to hold you accountable in that and help you fight the temptation, then yeah, they again are going to kind of follow Jesus' example and call you out in it to further bring you closer to the Lord and back into fellowship with him. And so, yes, and... um. Yeah. 
That's kind of what I got. And also that we should follow Jesus's example in calling out um, teachings that we see that are being perpetrated and propagated in the church and even outside of the church, but they still have like a Christian veneer. They These teachers might say they're Christian, but we actually look at what they're teaching and we compare it to scripture and realize that it's not whether teaching is completely antithetical antithetical is that yes to what the bible actually says and so yeah we shouldn't be afraid to sometimes flip the tables so to speak um in culture against what we know is wrong and speak out against evils that we see um and of course and this can go with with a lot of evils, not just the evils that are like culturally appropriate to call out, right? Because there's a lot of things that are just easy to be like, yeah, that's wrong. Everyone's going to agree with you that it's wrong. And I'm not saying that's bad. The church should speak out against every type of evil and sin. So we should speak out against the evils of abortion, the evils of racism, the evils of sex trafficking, the evils of just people being power hungry and drunk with power the evils of pornography we should speak out against all of it because all of it's wrong in god's sight and as his agents of light in the world and as followers of jesus christ who called out evil we should as well and seek to bring light to areas of darkness um yeah i think that sums up everything that i wanted to say i kept yeah rambling just a little bit but that's what i do so yeah hey it was a lot of good points thank you a lot of good thoughts um so like brooke said we're gonna move on to kind of different aspect of gentleness um and the main thing we wanted to touch on was um gentleness in a parenting sense um because God is God the Father. Um, and a lot of his characteristics of gentleness we see in his fatherhood. And like I was saying, how she... God is he. She, um, sorry, Grande people. I, I was trying to transition from Brooke to God, and it didn't yeah, transition sorry, to pronoun uh, God is a father. God is um, he. That could be a different topic, but... Mm. I'm just saying. Yeah, this is a whole other podcast. <laughs> uh, so anyway, God is the Father, and God caring for the lost sheep. Um, the one of the clearest versions of this for me is Luke 15. Um, First with the parable of the lost sheep, mm-hmm. and then also with the parable of the prodigal son. Um, and we know the parable of the lost sheep, that the there's one sheep that leaves, and the shepherd leaves the 99 mm-hmm. to go after the one and bring it back. Because he's a gentle and caring father that will go after his children, yeah. his sheep, and bring them back home. Um and that's just a really beautiful picture, too. There's been a lot of songs and poetry written on it um, because it is um, such a powerful description of God's loving and gentle nature that he would, he would 
go after um, just one sheep uh, because he loves each of them individually so much. Um, but the other one I wanted to talk about was the prodigal son. Um, and I, we've talked about this multiple times uh, in the podcast by now, um, <laughs> which is my fault because this is one of my favorite passages, maybe my favorite passage of scripture. Um, yeah, a great passage. So I keep bringing it up a lot. <laughs> it really is. Um, so the story of the prodigal son is the younger son goes to the father and demands his inheritance, like the money he would get after his father has died. Um, the father gives it to the son. The son runs off to yeah. the equivalent of Vegas and spends it all. Um, and then he's poor and he's hungry and he has no money. So he works. Um, he gets a, like a very lowly job of feeding pigs. He finds himself feeding the pigs and craving the food that the pigs are eating because he's so hungry. Um, and at that low point, he comes to his senses and he's like, what am I doing here? Like, I should go back home and beg to be mm -hmm. one of my father's servants because then I wouldn't be going hungry. So he goes home um, and I'll read here from Luke uh, 15, 20, where we pick up. Um, and the he in this is um, the son. Um, and says, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So uh, this passage was incredibly radical uh, at the time Jesus was saying it. Um, because like this was completely mm -hmm. like countercultural, cultural, like against customs, against manners, everything for the son mm -hmm. to go to the father, demand his inheritance and run off with it. Um, like the son probably could have been like, killed like he did a horrible thing by going up and doing this um but instead of you know going by the law and punishing him or possibly killing him for this um and even instead of just rebuking his child instead he celebrates and he's overjoyed that his son is home um and he probably would have been justified mm -hmm. in rebuking his son and calling him out but, you know, in that moment, he was a lost sheep um, and he was he was broken and rebuking was not mm -hmm. what was going to save his soul at that moment. A gentle and loving embrace is mm -hmm. what he needed. And there's a time for what Brooke was talking about of the calling out sin and calling out people who should know better. But there's also a time when you're gentle and you're comforting the yep. yeah. lost sheep and the broken Christian. Um, and I think in that, that's a good note for us to be um, hmm. gentle, but also careful. Um, because mm -hmm. there are a lot of broken souls. Um, and some people need 
you know, a harsh statement to get, um, mm-hmm. to get through their thick skull, if you will. Um, I'm sure that was the, exactly what the Pharisees needed because yeah. they were thick headed. They weren't getting any of it. Yeah. But there are some mm-hmm. people that are just yeah. very broken by the sins of this world. Um, and the gentleness and carefulness that Jesus shows as he takes mm-hmm. care of his broken people yeah. um, is something we need to try and follow. Uh, Cause sometimes the um, the angry rebuking response is not what's best. And again, that goes to discernment and knowing, um, like being in touch with the Holy Spirit, knowing what to do in that situation. Um, but all through the scriptures, especially in Luke, we see a lot of examples of God being careful mm-hmm. um, and gentle with his broken children. Uh, and I think that's a really good model for us to try and follow. Um, and we see a lot of um, discussion of that in the New Testament as we move into the letters from Paul and other mm-hmm. authors about advising the church on how to minister to people. And there's a lot of accounts of um, advice of how to be gentle in discipleship and taking care of, um, mm-hmm. you know, teaching the lost sheep and caring for the lost sheep and new Christians, um, cause there's a place for calling out sin. There's also a place for this aspect of gentleness mm-hmm. of this careful parenting, um, that, you know, gently and lovingly takes care of the need. So the first scripture for that is Galatians six, one through two. Um, and it says, brothers, if anyone has caught you in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spiritual gentle in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then the next one is First Thessalonians uh, two seven through eight. And this one says, "But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately." desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. So both of those really show this aspect of discipleship, of being gentle and caring and loving towards people. Um, And just as God, the Father, is gentle and patient and loving with us, Um, and the broken people of this world. We are supposed to be Mm -hmm. um, gentle in our discipleship of others. Yeah, I really... (laughs) Um, Yeah, Cecilia, and I really love that passage in 1 Thessalonians because just the way Paul describes his love for the church there as a nursing mother taking care of her own child. Like, I can just, you know, picture a mother holding a newborn baby, and that's the care that Paul has for the church is like that. And he says he, they were gentle among them and they didn't just want to share the gospel of God. Of course they wanted to share the gospel because that's the most important message ever, but they also wanted to give up their whole selves in sacrificial love for the people there. Um, Thessalonica. So I just really love the passage and then in Galatians as well. Um, we 
when um, Paul is saying, if we see a brother or sister caught in sin, we should go up to them and restore them in a spirit of gentleness, because we too know we could be tempted by that same sin. So we go and we restore them in gentleness and bear that burden with them. And that's fulfilling the law of Christ, because he tells us in John 13 that we should love one another as he has loved us. And that's his the new commandment to love one another. Um, and so, yeah, I really love those two passages. And yeah, I think it's important to think about all aspects of scripture and all aspects of every topic and theme in scripture and think about gentleness um, in a way of gentleness can is going to come across sometimes as, you know, like Cecilia was saying, the rebuking, calling out sin. And Jesus did that with the teachers and leaders that were propagating false doctrines and leading people astray. But with the lost sheep, he doesn't do that. He will still gently, of course, kind of expose to them their need for him. Like, you know, the rich young ruler in the Gospels, when Jesus talks to him, he says, you know, this one thing you lack, son. I don't, I don't think he says son in every. I just imagine this is how he might have said this to the rich young ruler, but like this one thing you lack, son, give up everything you have and follow me. And he's exposing to the rich young ruler, this is what your heart desires. I know you don't desire me right now. I know all you desire is your possessions. You can quote to me all the commandments you want all day long, but just because you know them doesn't mean they're in your heart. And so you see like Jesus' gentleness and compassion, like, and judgment against sin, like all in one in that passage. And I am blanking on exactly where that is, but maybe Matthew 18. I might be wrong, but it might be Matthew 18. Cecilia can look it up, but he's a great example of like everything we're saying all meshed in one <laughs> passage of scripture. Because you see Jesus being gentle and kind and caring with the rich young ruler, but still exposing his sin. And still saying, hey, you need to give up everything. Surrender your whole life to me to follow me. I'm not worthy of you just of just being one little part of your life and not being Lord over your whole life. I'm worthy of everything. And you see like all the attributes, like the whole tandem of Jesus's character, I think, in that passage. So, yeah. And I'm going to look it up. I'm pretty sure it's Matthew 18, guys. It's Matthew 18. Man, okay. It's Matthew, Matthew 19. 19. You were very close. Oh, Matthew 18 is actually crazy. the lost sheep. Actually, I'm going to go off the rails. So Matthew's version of that but one. I'm gonna, I want to read the parable of the lost sheep for y'all, too, because I think it's really beautiful. So since you brought it up, it's Matthew 18, verses 10 through 14. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly, I say to you, he rejoices over it. More than over the 99 that never went astray. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should, sorry, y'all, should perish. 
Love that. He rejoices. The shepherd who's going after the lost sheep rejoices over finding him more than the others that did not go astray. So over the humble, repentant, broken sinner, the Lord is merciful and gentle toward them. And all. Yeah. And when I when I think of a shepherd, I automatically picture like a very gentle personality. Um, like someone who's kind of soft-spoken um, and really gentle and caring with the sheep. Um, but going back to uh, what we were talking about in the first part of the podcast, um, you know, part of a, a mm. shepherd's job was to defend the sheep as well um yeah and take watch at night and fight off wolves and lions um mm -hmm. to defend his sheep um that in a way was an act of gentleness mm -hmm. towards the sheep that he was a protector i mean there's a isn't there a passage of something like that happening with was it david is there a passage um, of david fighting a lion as a shepherd no, you are thinking of the right person. I don't know if they're they don't thinking have, like, of a specific the wrong like, passage detailing that, but it is mentioned in First Samuel that David would fight off like lions and animals that were coming against his sheep. And so uh, that, that must be it. Yeah, he David was this like sheep. scrawny little thing. Like he knew how to defend the sheep. True, that's why he was. That's why he was so good with that slingshot. He could do it, man. Yes, I'm trying to find the passage you brought up, Cecilia, right now. But, yes, so this is David speaking about himself in 1 Samuel 17, verse 36. He says, your servant has, so he's speaking about himself. He's saying, I have struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So, yeah, David has struck down both lions and bears defending his sheep and can strike down this big old Philistine in front of him, a.k.a. Goliath. So, that's part of the job of a shepherd. And, Silly, I think that's crazy because I was actually literally just thinking that, bringing that up, how the shepherd's job is also to protect the sheep, and that means he's going to have to fight against intruders and um, false teachers that are um wolves in sheep false teachers clothing um wolves you know big thing there wolves in sheep clothing so yeah so yeah that's good yeah i don't think we have that much else for y'all for this podcast um i'm just yeah i'm yeah that was a good place to end it, mm -hmm. though. I like the okay, imagery of the shepherd week, we're gonna be in every about instance in the Bible. Which is the last fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to be hitting on some like deeper topics with self-control. That's um, something that has been on my heart for a while. And something I think we don't always talk about a lot in the church. So, um, yeah. And we're also going to be talking about self-control in like, the most basic sense as well like having the self-control but we're also going to be like sharing a little about self-control yeah. in areas of sexual temptation and stuff like that so 
yeah and this is and it's something that i've yeah, personally struggled a lot of other sense well. so that's why but yeah so i don't have that much else to add cecilia but i think this has been a great podcast hey of course yeah i think we're good to go you ready to start the outro <laughs> the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you, you are in christ Hey. Okay.